Well, good morning, church. Wow, what a time of worship, eh? My goodness. I don't know about you, but I was extremely blessed. I feel connected with the Lord. And I tell you what, we, we need this relationship with the Lord to be able to handle the topic we're going to be dealing with today. You know, a series about love, relationships, and the church, XOXO. We have found that we are called by God to love our neighbor and our friends with a love that is a little different from the love that the world is trying to pass on to us, the, the love that the world uses. You see, very often, love is portrayed as being self-centered. It's like, I like what you have, you know. I like how you make me feel, you see. It's, I can't live without you. <laughs> you do this to me. You do that to me. It's all about me, myself, and I, and the pleasures I get out of having you in my life. And that's very much what the love is portrayed in the world to us. When you don't satisfy me anymore, bye-bye. <laughs> when I do weddings, I often say that sometimes people love others like I love oranges. In winter, I love oranges. I love to take a juicy orange and, and squeeze every bit of juice out of it. I love it. And when the orange, all the juice is finished, I chuck it out and I look for another one. And I take that orange. I love orange. I'm going to squeeze all the juice out of it. And then I throw it away and go for the next one. There are people in this world that love others like that. I love you. They'll come to you, say they love you. And then they'll squeeze every bit of juice out of you. And when they've had their fall, they say, bye-bye. I've fallen out of love with you. Bye. And they go looking for the next orange. Juicy orange to squeeze. <laughs> now, listen, there is a place in relationships for what I like, what I feel, and what I get out of our relationship. There's obviously room for that. But the love we're talking about is much greater than that. We have found in the series so far that the love we are called to have for others is a selfless kind of love. It's a love that wants the best for the other. Amen? Love is a decision. Amen? It's not a feeling. It's a decision. It can start with feelings, but comes a point in your life where love is a decision. Something we choose to do rather than something we are driven to do because of a feeling or an emotion. So far, we have spoken about loving our neighbor and loving our friends. We learned that our neighbor is every image bearer, every one of our fellow human beings. Friends are neighbors that we have found a connection with, common interests, mutual appreciation, and whom we have allowed to come closer to us relationally. Friendship requires trust, commitment, and sometimes sacrifice. <laughs> but sometimes our neighbors or some friends take a turn for the worst. Huh? 
<laughs> For some reason, they turn against us to harm us in, in some way. And instead of our neighbor or our friend, they become our enemy. And that is what we are talking about this morning in part three of our series, Love Your Enemy. And that's why I say, to deal with this kind of topic, to deal with this kind of love, you need <laughs> what we've been getting at this morning. You need to have the presence of the Lord in you. You need the strength of the Holy Spirit in you. You need the understanding of what the Word of God says, why we should do this and how we should do that. So the topic and scripture today takes us to an area of loving that we would rather avoid, okay? It is something that most people want to run away from rather than consider it. It is a kind of love that does not flow naturally out of us or through us. Love is not equivalent to butterflies in our stomachs and magic in the air. <laughs> when we focus too heavily on the way romance makes us feel, emotionally and physically, we can forget that love is not exclusive to people that we know intimately. That kind of loving is actually quite easy. easy. It flows naturally. But we must not forget that that is not the only kind of love we are called to love. And we are not only called to love the people that are close to us, that we feel good about, or that we are romantically involved with. I'm going to be reading today from the book of Luke, chapter 6, verses 27 to 36. I suggest you take a note of this scripture. I spend some time this week reading over it. I'm not going to read all of these verses. That's why I'm asking you to make a note of it and go and read it, read the whole passage, Luke 6, 27 to 36. But in this scripture, this scripture describes love as an action that should even be focused on our enemies. What? I thought enemy is the guy that you, you know, you do the best to destroy. <laughs> Again, that may be the world's idea of how you deal with enemies. Love is a choice. And that is why you don't have to feel love in order to give it. If love is a choice, then I can love even when I don't feel like it. Hmm? If love is a choice, then I can love even when I don't feel like it. I want you to understand that. I want you to get that in your spirit, in your, in your consciousness. If love is a choice, I do not have to feel it in order to give it. Amen? Jesus begins a discourse, a conversation on love and how it relates to our enemies. Now, typically, when we have an enemy, we want to stay steer clear of them and not associate ourselves with them. 
It is hard to believe that we could love someone who is our enemy. Like I said, it does not come naturally. An enemy is someone who is hostile to someone else, who feels hatred towards or opposes the interests of or intends to injury, to do injury to someone else. All right? That's an enemy. If you have an enemy, then it is somebody who is hostile to you, who feels hatred towards you, who opposes your interests, or who intends to injure you in some way. That is an enemy. But <laughs> Jesus comes here in this passage and he says, he commands us, to love such people. Again, what? <laughs> you know, those people you want out of your way. And if they give you one, you want to give them two, right? Because they're your enemy. And so Jesus comes with this totally counterculture statement. And you must remember, in the days that Jesus lived, it was like an eye for an eye. You're my enemy. You give me a clap, man, I'll clap you right back. Huh? You, you harm me, I'm going to harm you right back. And if I can destroy you, I will destroy you. The Romans acted that way. The Greeks acted that way. And guess what? The Jews acted that way too. So Jesus comes into this environment where everyone is just waiting to get revenge and to get equal and so on. <laughs> and he comes and he says, hey, you know that guy that is bad to you, that wants to harm you? Love him too. <laughs> Listen to what Jesus said. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and 28. Jesus says, But I say to you, I say to you who hear. Interesting, he says this. I say to you who hear. It seems that even in Jesus' time, there were people sitting in the service who were not hearing. <laughs> they were sitting there, but they were thinking about lunch. Or they were taking a nap because they didn't sleep, you know, go early to bed last night, so they're taking a nap in church. But they say, hey, 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 you guys who are awake, you guys who hear me, you guys who are listening, listen, I'm telling you, to those of you who are hearing, yeah, you, you guys at home, listen, wait, wait, wake up, put that cup, cup of coffee down, listen now. Jesus says, hey, to those who hear, all right, to those who hear, I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. Now, right now, maybe you are thinking of some people who you perceive as enemies. Maybe they're in your school. Maybe in your place of work. Maybe it's a neighbor. <laughs> okay, maybe it's a family member. <laughs> maybe they're sitting here. In no, never mind. It's somebody that you know, man, this person... And, and so Jesus is talking to you and to me today, and he's saying, hey, love your enemy. We are to love our enemy. That means that we must want the best for them. Because remember, this love word is the agape, agape, your enemy. In other words, you want the best for them. Wish the best for them. But God, I want to curse them. No, 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 wish the best for them. But God, they, 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 they. wish the best for them. It's a decision. In spite of all the anger and the hurt and the pain, he says, wish the best for them. Love your enemy. Our natural instinct is to hate our enemy and want the worst for them. But that is not God's way. 
The word says God desires that all would be saved. That enemy of yours, God loves him too. And it is his desire that your enemy would be saved. So all we have to do now is align ourselves with our God. Yeah, he's my enemy. He maybe is an enemy of God too, quite probably. But God loves the oak and wants him to be saved. And so my desire must be the same. I don't have to agree with what he does. I don't have to accept his nonsense. But my desire must be, I want the best for you. Love your enemy. Then check this out. He goes further. He says, now, do good to people who hate us. Yeah, right? He says, do good to people who hate you. We must do good to people who hate us. That means that <laughs> you should not withhold help if it is in your means to help. If you know that your enemy has a need and you can help, do not withhold help from your enemy. Can, can you see how counter everything we are this is? Can you see why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives? Can you see how unhumanly unnatural this kind of love is? And so God is asking us to do something which goes contrary to our human nature, contrary to the way of the world. But remember, whenever God asks us to do something, it's because we can do it. Whenever God asks us to do something, it's because he's going to be right there to help us to do what he's asking us to help. Whenever he asks us to do something, he knows the Holy Spirit, our helper, will be there with us to help us to do what he's requiring us to do. Amen? So please keep this in mind as we go through this. Do good to people who hate us. Now, an example of this is given in Scripture. And it wasn't something new in terms of what God wants. Because right in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, when God was giving laws to, to His people, to the people that is, is gathering now to show the world what kind of a God He is and how He deals with people, in Exodus chapter 23, 4, it says that if your enemy, if you find a horse, a donkey, or an ox from your enemy, wandering off. The Lord says, be sure to return it. <laughs> so here you are, and maybe your enemy's ox or donkey. Now remember, back in those days, it was an agricultural kind of culture. An ox or a donkey meant a lot. It was a financial thing. It was a positional thing. It was a major asset. And so if the ox or the donkey of your enemy, and you'd know because every animal was marked, so, yeah, you maybe you're wondering your field. Maybe it's in your backyard. And yeah, comes the donkey or the ox of your enemy. And you found it. You didn't steal it. You found it. And it belongs to your enemy. So you go, <laughs> come on, donkey, come on, ox, join my group here. Yeah. You stay here. Yeah. Isn't that the natural thing to do? Let's take his mark off, put my mark over there. He's mine now. I didn't steal it. I found it. God says, uh-uh. If you see a lost ox or you see a lost donkey that belongs to your enemy, take the thing and go right back, knock on his door. Hey, enemy. <laughs> I know you don't like me, but listen, I found your animal. Here it is. It's yours. That is so counter us, isn't it? But that's what the Lord said. 
Your instinct might say the animal is lost. I found it. Now it's mine. All right? But that's not God's way in dealing with enemies. Then Jesus says, bless those who curse you. We are to bless the people who curse us. Instead of returning their curses, we are to pray for them, to pray for their salvation, to pray for their conversion, to pray that they will change, to pray they will come to their senses and stop their nonsense. Hmm? Can you do it? Quiet. I didn't ask if you want to do it. I know that the answer is no, I don't want to do it. But I said, can you do another? Is it possible for you to do it? The answer is yes. Yes, why? Because it's a choice. The question is, are you going to make that choice? It might take a little bit of a little time to ponder, to think of it. But ultimately, the Lord says, make that choice. I know you don't feel like it, but it's got nothing to do with your feelings. And sometimes we, get, we mix feelings with choices. We, we, we think we're only over something when the feeling is there. No, 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 no. It's the decision that changes everything. It's a decision followed by corresponding actions. So I decide to bless my enemy. Okay? I say, Lord, bless him. Just, just, just bless him, Lord. And I might even pray with an attitude the first time or two. It's okay because it's a choice followed by an action. I am loving my enemy when I'm praying for him and say, God, bless the. But you know what? You do it once. You do it twice. You do it three times. All of a sudden, you realize, hey, I can do this. In fact, right now, I'm feeling so sorry for my enemy. God, have mercy. And as you start praying, and as you start blessing, and as you start, you see a change happens inside of you. It might not change him, yet it will eventually. <laughs> But you begin to feel a change. It's good for your health. Mental, spiritual, emotional, health. Yeah? Physical. And then Jesus carries on and says, pray for those who use you. <laughs> pray for those who spitefully use you. Pray for those who use us. And that's what the previous point, Jesus instructs us to pray for them. Don't repay in kind, but pray that they will be changed, that they will see the goodness of God and repent. Now, these things do not come naturally to us and require much self-control and willpower. That is why Jesus tells us why we should do this. Why should we do all this for our enemies? Well, Luke chapter 6, verses 35 and 36. Jesus says, But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. Now here comes the reason. For, because, okay, for God, He is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. If you look around, you're going to find some very, very evil people. Some very, very bad people. But the sun also shines on them. They get sunshine and they get rain. They're healthy. They've got strength. They, they, they're breathing. They're living. Who do you think is keeping them alive? 
What does the Word of God say? In Him, we live and move and have our being. We are sitting here today alive. You can, you can hear me from wherever you are because we are alive. And God is the one that is keeping us alive. Just a little snap of his finger and we could all be D-E-A-D. Huh? So God is merciful. God gives good things to people. Have you ever known a, a, a bad person, an evil person who is gifted? They can sing, they can paint, they can design, they can create things. They're good in business. It's a gift. Merciful gift of God. The fact that they are misusing it, they're going to have to give an account to God one day for it. But God is merciful. Why? Because God wants everybody with Him. His desire is that every single human being would make a decision to follow Him and be with Him one day. Now we know that some people will reject God. We know that some people will never change. They've made a choice. They're not going to change. But that, that does not change the fact that God continues being merciful to them. And therefore, because we are God's children, we are supposed to do the same. Ouch. This is the kind of message you don't say amen. You say ouch. <laughs> but it's the truth, folks. And the truth is, it can be done. You and I we can do it. And so we, when we understand that God himself is kind to the evil and to the ungrateful, our perspective about loving others can change drastically. And this can be difficult in this day and age, considering the, the rising injustices we see in the world. But if Christ says it can be done, we must trust the Spirit's work in our hearts that we can do it. Amen? Loving our enemies is important because by doing so, we display the love of the Father. Amen. Now, the Bible tells us that mercy triumphs over judgment. And of course, <laughs> we, we, we want we want the judgment. But just like we want mercy from God, we must be willing to show mercy to our enemies. Giving mercy requires us to give up revenge. And to hand the judgment over to God. Listen to these verses. Romans 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Who's writing this? Apostle Paul. He was an enemy of the church. He chased people. He put people in prison. He had people killed. And then he met the Lord. And everything changed. And then he gained a whole bunch of enemies. Everybody turned against Paul. Everybody in authority turned against Paul. But now, being a follower of Jesus, he has to apply God's love and love his enemies. And he's doing this. And he's writing of you now. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Not only did he write this down, but he acted upon it. And when you read about his, the, 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 his mission journeys and so on, you find him over and over extending mercy to those who would persecute him, trying to gain them over, praying for them, giving them the message of God, loving them, even though he did not feel like loving them, but he was just doing God's work. In a, in a repetition of what Jesus said, 
You know, we, we read in, in a, it's, it's a repetition of what Jesus said. You know, bless those who curse you. He says, bless those who persecute you. Do not curse. In Romans 12, verses 18 and 21, listen to this. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. What do you hear over here? It might not be possible for you to be at peace with everybody. Because some people will just not want to live at peace with you. I don't care how good you are to them. Some will just not want. That's why it says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you. In other words, don't you be the one causing trouble. Huh? Don't you be the one being the palooka and starting nonsense and accusing people and hurting people. No, no, no. You do the right thing. As long as it depends on you, you live at peace with people around you. All right? And he says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to, to wrath. In other words, God's wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So don't you try and take the law into your own hands and go and set up traps for your enemy and, and try and get them and so on. Now, this does not mean that when there are legal disputes, you shouldn't allow the legal process to happen. No, you must. When there's a legal process, allow the legal process to happen. But I'm talking about when people want to do it on their own. In other words, they want to take personal revenge. It eats them up because they want to take revenge on somebody. No, no, no. The Bible says, give it to the Lord. Let the Lord deal with that person because either that person will be changed and turned to God and be saved or he's going to continue piling stuff against him and the wrath of God will come upon that person. And listen, nobody wants to be in the wrath of God. All right? It's not healthy to be in the path of the wrath of God. Believe me. Amen? So he says, vengeance is mine. So don't you avenge others. And so he says in verse 20, Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. That's an interesting sort of proverb that used to be used in those days. And people are not quite clear of the meaning, but it has a couple of things. Number one, coals of fire upon his head could mean that he sees all your good works towards him. It might convince him. You know, he gets under so much heat of your love that it could cause him to open up and surrender to God's love and to your love and reconcile. It could also mean that those calls represent uh, <laughs> actions against him piling up. And eventually the wrath of God will go upon him and he will be punished. Either way, God will deal with that person. It's their choice, not yours. Your choice or your action is to obey the Lord. You do what God says. And if you can do any of these things, you do that. And so it says in verse 21, do not, be over, be, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I have seen perfectly good people. And then an enemy comes along. And then they want to take revenge. And they want to do worse to him than that. And they were good people. But because of this enemy and because of them wanting to take revenge on the enemy, they become, first of all, as evil as this person, sometimes worse, more evil than this person. So instead of overcoming evil, they become evil themselves. And the Word of God warns us because this will happen to every one of us. It starts, starts probably in school. It will go to your place of study, to your place of work, to your neighborhood. can happen in families. Anywhere this thing can happen. 
And if we are not careful, we fall victim to anger, to bitterness, to revenge, and it destroys us. We end up becoming worse than our enemies. Yeah, you can say, ouch, it's okay. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Note that it, it will not be possible to live peaceably with everyone. The best way to avenge your enemy is to let him go and leave him or her to God. Do good to the extent that you can and leave the rest with God. Amen? Now, why should we love our enemies? Because God loved us while we were still sinners, while we were still his enemies, living as his enemies. Romans 5.10 says the following, For if when we were sinners, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. God's kindness and love for us while we were yet sinners, while we were yet his enemies, are the reason we have salvation in Christ. If God did not love us as his enemies and do good to us, we would not be saved. We could not have become his friends. But he did it. Jesus died for us. And now we are to represent Christ. And therefore, we must love our enemies and show them the unmerited grace and kindness in like manner. Now, this doesn't mean that we skip out on wisdom when you are dealing with uh, those we, we don't know or those that are wanting to hurt us. It doesn't mean we fail to set boundaries against evil. We must do that. Matthew 10, 16, Jesus said, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Jesus knew very, knew very well the kind of world his people are going to live in. So he says, I'm sending you like sheep in the middle of wolves. He says, therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. You hear that? So although we're moving about and we want to love and everything else, we must be what? Wise. Be alert. We must be harmless yet wise at the same time. Being cautious of those who could harm us. Set clear boundaries so you do not get con, you know, continuously exposed to toxic people, to toxic behavior or situations. Some people are evil. Some do not want to change. They will remain toxic and they will want to hurt you intentionally. So the best way of loving them is by putting distance between you and them, handing them over to the Lord and praying for their salvation. In most cases, however, we, as we go about our daily lives, we can love our enemies by giving them the respect that another, any other human deserves. The goal is to represent Christ and his love to those around us, whether they are a believer or an unbeliever. In our text today, Jesus assumes that his followers will have enemies. It is a reality that no matter how good your intentions or behavior is, someone will turn against you. Just before Jesus spoke about enemies and loving your enemies, he had spoken about blessings, the Beatitudes. He had just started, stated that his disciples are blessed when men hate them, exclude them, heap insults on them, and reject their names for, for evil's sake. Know that what attracted this hostility towards them was the fact that they were living up to kingdom standards. If you make enemies out of your own stubbornness, out of your own anger 
or your own maliciousness, you will not be blessed. There is a blessing about being persecuted, but for the right reason. When you live up to the gospel and people turn against you because of your values, because of the things you stand for, you will be blessed. After telling his disciples that they will be hated and persecuted, Jesus begins with a general statement, love your enemies. The word again is agape. I love that he is committed to the highest good of the one loved. Such love is not primarily a feeling, but an action stemming from an attitude. That is why it can be commanded. Amen? Listen, it is only by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, that we can have love for our enemies. Loving our enemies doesn't mean allowing them to continue to hurt us. That would be a failure of loving ourselves, amen, as God loves us. We can and must do what is in our control to protect ourselves while trusting God to step in. We can always pray for our enemies. Praying is an act of mercy. Praying is loving like our Heavenly Father. Praying changes our hearts. Loving our enemies means seeing them as human beings in need of Father's love. Amen? Loving our enemies means seeing them as human beings in need of the Father's love. Jesus set the example for us to follow. He was rejected. He was ridiculed. He was crucified. But when he was on the cross, he prayed for his enemies. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. I've always wondered about that. Those guys knew what they were doing. They were killing Jesus. They knew there was no accusation against him. And yet Jesus, he turns that away. He says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Wow. And that is a huge amount of love and forgiveness happening right there. And that's the kind of love that Jesus wants you and me to have for others, friends and enemies alike. Well, brothers and sisters, we cannot do this on our own. But with the Lord's help, we can. And, and I pray that this simple message, ouch message, will, will, will help you to see people that come up against you in a different light. I pray that the Lord will give you wisdom, courage, and strength when dealing with enemies that may come against you. May you pause before you react. May you pause before you take vengeance. May you pause before you... You know, do twice as bad to them as they've done to you. May you pause and think of what Jesus said. And may you turn around and move in the opposite spirit. Instead of returning like for like, do it God's way. Pray, love, help, turn away from vengeance, hand them over to the Lord, take the necessary precautions. Protection, boundaries, whatever. But in your heart, have mercy on them. Pray for their salvation. Pray for their change. And I believe that many of us will see enemies changed. Enemies being saved. Enemies 
turning to the Lord. Enemies finding salvation and becoming our brothers and sisters in the Lord to the glory of God. May God help us to have this very difficult kind of love as we live our lives on this earth. Amen? Next week will be a, a lighter kind of love. We're going to end the series talking about loving our spouses. That should be a lot easier for some of us anyway. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> that will be the topic of next week. But uh, may the Lord help us by the Holy Spirit in us to love our neighbor, love our friends, and love our enemies. Let's stand up and let's close in prayer. And right now, maybe in your heart, in your mind, you're thinking of a situation of people. People that you know. People that maybe once upon a time were close to you. And that have turned against you. Situations you're finding very difficult because people are intending to harm you. They've spread stories about you. They are maybe doing actions to tackle you, to maybe destroy you, your business, your life, your marriage, whatever it is. And I know it's very difficult, but right now, I want you to think about them and to say, God, have mercy on them. And if you know their names, use their names silently, quietly in prayer. They say, God, have mercy on so-and-so. Lord, save so-and-so. Lord, bless this person, Lord God. And cause them to come to you. Bless them. Bless them in Jesus' name. And Father, I know that these things are so difficult to do in our humanity, my God. And yet if your word says that we must do them, it's because we can do them, Lord. And so we invite your Holy Spirit to, to help us to love our enemies. Just as, as Jesus loves his enemies, as God loves his enemies, as God is still showing mercy and kindness to the good and to the evil, help us to follow your example, Father God, and show kindness and mercy to the good and to the evil people around us, that we may reflect your character, my God, and somehow, by some means, help somebody to take a step closer to you, to take a step closer on their journey to salvation, on their journey to Jesus, Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And so now may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of us, helping us to do even the difficult commandments of the Word of God, such as love your enemies. To your glory we pray, Father. Amen and Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you at home. Bless you here. Have a wonderful week, a wonderful day, and see you next Sunday for the final episode of this series. Amen. God bless you.